Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, it's Monday the 30th of October. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. First up, a Maidstone man who had to prove his car was compliant with ULES regulations is questioning how many other people have been wrongly charged. Edward Paul went onto the TfL website and was told he'd have to pay an emissions charge to drive his 2017 Volkswagen Tigon to Heathrow Airport. He had to get a certificate from the car's manufacturer to prove them wrong. Kate's been reading a statement from TfL. We apologise for any confusion around the compliance status of Mr Paul's vehicle. A review of the records we used for our vehicle checker shows that his vehicle has always been compliant. We have informed Mr Paul that his vehicle meets the ULES standards. He has not received any charges or fines and will not receive any in the future. The TfL vehicle tracker uses the highest quality of data available. It is based on a range of data, not just from the DVLA, but also information from the Vehicle Certification Agency and vehicle manufacturers. Elsewhere today, a Canterbury man who assaulted a traffic warden has been given a community order and ordered to pay compensation. Lee Smith kicked, punched and yelled at the warden after getting a parking ticket in York Road last March. He admitted assault as well as another charge of theft after leaving a restaurant without paying a bill. The 32-year-old from Wincheap has been ordered to do 250 hours of unpaid work. A man in his 20s has been taken to hospital with serious injuries after a stabbing near Tunbridge Wells. He was found on London Road in Southborough last night. Two men in their 40s have been arrested. Now, several flood alerts are in force across Kent after heavy rain over the weekend. They cover pretty much the whole of the coast and areas around the rivers Thames and Medway. More weather warnings have also been issued as Storm Kieran approaches. Lauren's been chatting to Alex Burkhill from the Met Office. He starts by telling us the impact for today. So it's mostly around the coastal areas of Kent, in particular southern coastal parts, because we do have some heavy rain and we've already seen significant impacts from the rain. We've had so much recently. And so any further rain really isn't going to be welcome. It could make any ongoing issues worse. So there could be some further flooding, which could cause some problems for buildings and properties could be affected by that. And also it's likely to cause some disruption to travel. So people heading on the roads could be uh, affected. We're likely to see delays to travel because of the difficult driving conditions with spray on the roads. There may be some cancellations or delays to public transport. So people just need to be aware that journeys might take longer than normal. And what advice would you have for people to, you know, sort of help them prepare for these floods? In terms of preparing for the floods, it's if you know that you're in a susceptible area, then make sure you know what's best to do to protect your own property. Uh, With ongoing issues, it's just being aware that they could get worse. And so the recovery from what's already happened might take longer than normal. Uh, And so, like I said, any further rain really isn't welcome, given Uh, what's already happened. And what is causing all this heavy rain at the moment? So it's fairly standard at this time of year for us to have a pretty unsettled picture. It's autumn. That's what we often get. However, it has been significantly wetter than normal for quite a few places. And the driver behind that is partly the jet stream. It's been quite active and it's going to be increasingly active as we go through this week. And that's going to push more low pressure systems, particularly later on this week across the UK, bring some very wet and windy weather. But I think it's fair to say that the atmosphere, even around the UK, is slightly warmer than average. Uh, And it's that warmth in the atmosphere that holds more moisture. 
And it's exactly what we've been talking about in, in previous years with regards to warning with regards to climate change. In as much as a warming climate holds more moisture, and so when it rains, we see more of it. And there's also a further weather warning later in the week, I think for Wednesday and Thursday. Um, is that more for the whole of Kent or just the coastal regions again? So with Storm Kieran coming later on this week, Wednesday evening overnight into Thursday, I think it'll be Thursday itself that we see the, uh, the greatest impacts for Kent. They're going to be widespread, the impacts. We're talking heavy rain and very strong winds. Coastal parts, English Channel coastal parts, that's where we're talking gusts 90 miles per hour, possibly even stronger than that. So that's where we're likely to see the greatest impacts. But it is going to be a windy, very windy spell as we go through Thursday in particular. And the interesting thing to note about Storm Kieran is it doesn't move through particularly quickly. Often our storms come through last a day or so, whereas this one looks like it's going to drag its heels a little bit. And so whilst the strongest winds, the exceptionally strong winds, are going to be on Thursday, even on to Friday, I'm expecting some further windy weather. And with all that, there will be heavy rain as well. And so that's going to make ongoing issues worse again. Kent Online reports. The MP for South Thanet has revealed how he was put into an induced coma after being diagnosed with sepsis. Craig McKinley was taken to hospital last month and ended up suffering multiple organ failures. He's praised NHS staff and says he's on a slow road to recovery. £10 million worth of cocaine has been seized at Sheerness Port. The drugs had been placed in four large holdalls, which were hidden inside the sea chest of a container ship below the waterline. A specialist Met Police dive unit took five hours to recover them. It's one of only two underwater concealments of Class A drugs of its kind ever discovered in the UK. Next up, a young woman from Hearn Bay who went missing more than 50 times as a teenager is sharing her story in a bid to help others. Jade Knight was struggling with her physical and mental health and has been telling our reporter Davina more about her experience. I live with quite advanced, like quite serious medical conditions. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been like that since I was eight. So it's like a long time. And then... When I got to 15, 14, 15, I just had like, you know, like teenagers. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I don't, I can't keep coming out of hospital. I can't, I don't want to take my medication anymore. Like I can't, I can't live with this. And I just didn't know how to cope. And then I started not looking after myself properly and it affected relationship with my parents because they were like, when I wasn't well, I was just, I was a horrible person, like grumpy, shouting, but also the pressure of my parents trying to help me when they can't so it all went up in flames basically so instead of I don't know maybe sitting down and calming down my first instinct was to disappear I felt the best I felt ever like adrenaline like I felt like I don't know suddenly was in hospital hooked up to machines to being in a field not knowing where and no one knowing where I was and I could do whatever I want and I didn't have the pressure of you've got to take medication you've got to take this injection and stuff so I turned to that, but then because of the, it's like addictive running away. It honestly is. It's like the adrenaline and I don't know. It gives me like, it used to like really help me in terms of my mental health. Yeah. Was it like a but, coping mechanism sort of for you? Yeah, it's exactly that. Like obviously people turn to different things, but then it's almost like I couldn't stop going missing. Like yeah. I was going for a lot of the time, but that's just what I turned to. Um. 
And a lot of people like spoke to me and was trying to like help me stop going missing. But ultimately the thing that the thing that changed for me is I became 18. And then one, it's not illegal. It, you don't necessarily get searched for when you're an adult. Because it's not illegal to go missing as an adult. It obviously it is a child as a child. You can't do it. The police have responsibility. But I was like, well, and then I got a car and then I kind of just grew up. Yeah. It was all in my mentality. I literally woke up one day and was like, right, enough's enough. I'm not doing it anymore. And then I've never I've never gone again. I think on the Kent police system it says about 50. But I also went missing in London and in Manchester. So I that's just for this area. Yeah. But some of them were like only like an hour like before I got caught. So Yeah. Um but it's I don't know, it's just like the weirdest feeling going missing. But then I literally couldn't stop myself. Like my mental health wasn't great at all. Like all I could I was just like angry at the world. I was like, why am I going through all this health stuff? And also why am I not getting support from mental health teams? I feel like my parents are against me. And at 15, you just think you're invincible as well. Jade is urging other teenagers to be aware of how dangerous it is to go missing and find other ways of coping with the issues they might be going through. Kent Online News. Dozens of people have turned up for a rally in Canterbury calling for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. A demonstration was held by the South East Kent Palestine Solidarity Group in the city centre yesterday. Campaigners say civilians are dying on both sides. It comes ahead of a vigil at Canterbury Cathedral to pray for peace in the Middle East. Members of the local Jewish, Muslim and Christian communities will gather to show solidarity with the victims of the conflict. It starts at 6 30 this evening. Firefighters have managed to put out a blaze that spread from trees to a stable and outbuildings near Deal. There was a lot of smoke on the A258 in Worth yesterday evening. Two horses had to be moved to safety. A photographer from Folkestone who only has one arm says she's never let her disability stop her from succeeding. 27-year-old Jen Reed started taking pictures of her pets before moving on to wildlife photography during lockdown. She now runs her own business called Feline Doggiest Photography. I am all self-taught um, through YouTube videos, trial and ever, lots of tears, an upset dog. Um, my disability is Amelia, so I have my fin, um, which is my thumb and my middle finger. I don't have an elbow, well half an elbow, but it doesn't bend and my forearm is about two inches long. Um, I'm also affected with the same disability with my leg. My leg's five centimetres shorter than the other, so it puts my hip and my spine all off centre and that has caused me to have fibromyalgia. So all my camera gear has been adapted to help me learn. A lot of my life has been told I can't I can't do something because of this disability and that disability. And at this age I do understand why, because not many people have my disability. So it's a bit of going into the unknown. Um, but the I can't turned into I, I will do and I'm very stubborn and I'm very, you know, put my mind to it, I'm gonna succeed it. So when the, the time came where they said I couldn't do it, it just, well, screw you, I'm going to do it. And now my, my best revenge is to glow up. And if you don't show up, you won't glow up. So you tell me I can't do something like kingfishers in flight. I've got kingfishers in flight. 
with one arm and I'm very proud of myself for it but it also of course came with a lot of work and I used this mentality since I was a kid and would say with my fin named after Finding Nemo he was told not to touch the butt he touched the butt <laughs> and um, he survived all that journey you know all through um, Australia and with Dory and Marlon so yeah it's, it's very inspiring throughout the whole way so yeah you tell me I can't I'm going to do it. As a disabled photographer, I would love to be able to inspire other disabled people in any art form. Of course, my specific art form is photography, but if I can help with my words, my actions, um, my photos, then that would make my day. Kent Online reports. Plans to build a housing estate near Whitstable have returned with a new secondary school now included in the proposals. Developers are keen to get the Bodkin Farm project off the ground in Chestfield nine years after it was initially rejected. 300 homes could be built on a 65-acre site. A public consultation is expected to start soon. The CEO of Marks & Spencer has been talking about his experience growing up in Medway. Stuart Machin lived in Gillingham and stacked shelves at Sainsbury's in Hempstead Valley when he was younger. He worked his way up in retail before being headhunted by M&S to take over the food division. He's urging youngsters to get involved in the company's apprenticeship programme. And a horror film shot at a pub in Gillingham is being submitted to the country's biggest festival for the genre. Drained used the ship in as a movie location and featured over 40 locals as extras. Kent Online Sport. Football and the Gillingham Supporters Club say they're appalled by the behaviour of some fans at Priestville this season. A man was arrested on suspicion of a racially aggravated public order offence during the game against Newport on Saturday. It's led to an FA investigation. The Jills lost the match 2-0 after conceding two penalties. Interim boss Keith Millen spoke to reporters afterwards. The two goals are the two goals. But what disappoints me more is probably the second half instead of like really fighting really going for it, it, it we seem to lose a little bit of belief a little bit of energy and in the end the games would have just drifted away so that's more disappointing for me on the bigger picture um, we made changes we tried to freshen it up whether we were a little bit tired or not I don't know um, we tried to change the formation a little bit just to make something happen and um, what I didn't like was I saw too many players walking and um, I didn't see enough desire to, if we'd scored the next goal, I think it would have been game on. I think when you're in the position they've been in on a bad run, when it goes to 2-1, it's, it's panic stations a little bit, isn't it? But I never felt we really showed enough desire to really go for it. and. Um, enough movement or certainly not enough quality I mean I don't know where some of that um, passing come from it's certainly nothing we work on in training um, and, they're, and they're better than that so I would imagine they'd be disappointed the players with their their lack of quality when we needed it in the second half I think obviously a lot of fans are pretty down after the result today but a lot of them seem pretty down because of an incident from a supposed fan, um, which is kind of leaving it as a pretty dark day for the football club, I guess, today. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's one person. Um, it's just, it's disgusting. It's just not, it's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Um, and it is one person in, in, a, in a big crowd. Um, 
luckily the, the club have identified him and they've dealt with him quite rightly. I think he's going to be banned for for life, is it? Um, but even that's probably not enough because it's just it's just wrong, isn't it? It's um, so that's really um, not acceptable, um, and I do feel sorry for the rest of the good Gillingham fans that one person could even think that why would you I don't know I, I don't understand people sometimes um, so yeah he's uh, we won't be seeing him around the football club again um, and it's a shame really there can't be more of a punishment on him Well our sports reporter Luke Cordell has also spoken to Jill's chairman Brad Gallinson about the incident The club took swift action for yeah. the, the scenes that we all saw sadly um, it's, it's, there's been a few incidents and that you, do you feel that as a club you're doing the best you can to eradicate this kind of discrimination? I mean, we're trying to see the... the look, it's good and bad. On Saturday, I, I think it's good and bad what happened, right? It became this sort of perfect storm nationally so that, unfortunately, Jills were sort of stuck with it. But I think it sort of showed the country right there, I mean, in, in colour, you know, how serious and how small this, this sort of problem is, right? Yeah. So I think we're never doing enough, honestly. I don't think society is ever doing enough, but you have to constantly battle it. I think it took us 30 seconds to handle it. So I would say, yeah, we, we did very well. 30 seconds, arrested, banned, done. Publicly announced, the world should see it. Um, it's not acceptable. So on the one hand, yes, that's good. Um, on the other hand, though, is that, you know, there was two other just in that game that um, were chanting that we sort of privately arrested or, or ejected. Um, I think every match in the country has those. And so I think that you I think it's a constant fight. We're going to continue the fight with all other clubs until to me the, the, the when it changes is when the sensitivity of peer pressure calling out your mates that do it are underwhelmed by the societal pressure to make sure it doesn't happen. And I actually think that Saturday was a was an event that was big enough that people are starting to get more courage to say, you know what, I don't care if I'm embarrassed that I'm calling one of my mates out. I will call my mates out because that is the right thing to do. And that's a hard thing to do in society. On to rugby now, and we've been hearing more about plans for a former Premiership club to make a once-in-a-generation move to Kent. Wasps are in talks to move to Sevenoaks and are considering building a new stadium in the area. Former player Kenny Logan is now on the committee of those working on the relocation. He sat down with Bartholomew Hall from our colleagues at KMTV. We've had two... The, the clubs have disappeared. It's trying to come back, trying to come back in the Championship. But I think we've realised... Over time, we need to find a home for this amazing brand. And, you know, Seven Oaks have been very welcome to us and Kent. So we just felt this was the best place. It's got a great rugby heritage down there. There's a lot of clubs, a lot of fans, and there's not a club anywhere near. So we just feel it's a, a great opportunity for us. Absolutely. I, I was going to get on to talking about the, the location. It was obviously... If it does happen, if it all goes through, uh, it looks as though Wasps would definitely be the, the highest uh, profiled rugby club in uh, in the county. Why was it that Kent became the destination of choice? I think we've done a lot of research on where the best... I mean, the thing about Wasps is we've moved around a lot and um, we need to find a home where we can stay for a long, long time and not go through what we've gone through. So 
we've been looking at different parts of the country and, you know, Kent was somewhere that the council approached us and we'd sort of looked at it anyway. And then after that, we started to look more and more into it and felt this was a really good place for us to potentially move to. And uh, do we know at this point uh, any sort of timelines when things might be happening and changing? I know at the moment the club is going to be staying at the Six Ways ground. Yeah, I mean, the moment we have to uh, get in, into the league, uh, which we're working on, um, and that's important, it's at the highest level we can. And then we will probably look to get to Kent as soon as we can because that's we want to start building the fan base and, and get on with hopefully building this new stadium. And it's going to be this quite is really big... exciting for us, and, and also um, it will be a big opportunity in Kent for other um, a big arena to have, you know, not just rugby playing there, but other sports. Um, I think the key thing to build a successful rugby club now is you need a stadium that um, rugby can be played in, not just a rugby stadium. It needs to be commercially viable for other sports and conferences, um, also concerts and different different um, events so that's really important moving forward absolutely lots of work to do but I think for the fans as well especially with where the club has been up in Coventry I think you kind of look around social media a lot of the fan base has been sort of picked up there now is there a battle to be won there about sort of convincing those fans to to stay on and sort of you know just put on with the uh, having to travel down yeah I mean some fans will travel some won't I think um, most fans would be glad that Wass is coming back than, than just saying, oh, well, I think, in my view, for a fan now, we've had to go to the place that we think is best for the club and best for the fan base. And, you know, um, I don't think we're totally welcomed in Coventry sometimes. And um, we feel that the best place for us now is, is to move to Kent. Um, and I think from a fan, um, as I said earlier, you know, we, we're, we're coming back at some stage. And this gives the fans hopes that they can still see the, the Wasps team perform at the highest level. And finally, a YouTube prankster from Gravesend's been spotted on camera during celebrations at the Rugby World Cup final. Daniel Jarvis invaded the pitch and tried to speak to a South African player as they lifted the trophy on Saturday night. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.